Coming up on Novell Open Audio, Aaron, Martin Lesage, and Zonker talk about the newly released OpenSUSE 11.1. Welcome to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell user community with what's going on inside and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Randy Goddard. I'm David Mayer. And I'm Aaron Quill. Now, Aaron, we hear that you got together with Zonker and with Martin Lesage to talk about 11.1. Got together in a virtual sense of the word because, you know, of course, I live out here in Utah. Uh, Zonker, I believe is east coast maybe he's florida even, somewhere yeah, somewhere yeah i think you're right in florida and then we've got martin at the nuremberg uh, offices of Sousa. and we actually uh it's a new thing we're starting to do we're starting to record a lot more conversations over skype and you'll see the audio quality actually came out great right but I, I gotta tell you something funny about the interview so we're recording the interview, and after it's recorded, I went ahead and edited it. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, we've got Zonker or Joe Brockmeyer, you know, from the U.S., American. We've got myself from the States. And then we've got Martin, who's, you know, native German speaker, speaking in a second language. I'm going through editing this thing when we're done, and it's a riot because I didn't have to edit a single word that Martin said. Everything Martin said, <laughs> proper English, perfectly said and everything. Zonker and I, I had to edit the heck out of the thing. We're stuttering, we're using the wrong ums words, we're stopping, ums. ums and ahs and everything. And so, OpenSUSE 11.1, you guys have installed it, played with it? I've Absolutely. got it on my laptop and my desktop at work. Yep. I like the updates that they made to software management. I thought that that was quite cool. I liked some of the changes in the UI and the way the back end works. You know, it's just one of those things that works, right? I mean, some of these things, these updates that have been made are so innocuous that you just grow accustomed to them and you go, wait a minute, that didn't used to work and now it does. <laughs> Dave, what do you like about it? The new UI is really kind of shiny, but that's so not the new, big thing. When you say new UI, oh, you're I'm talking using about KDE, KDE 4. 4. 4.1. No longer in preview for us. Yep. And it, I think it still needs some stuff to be shaken out, but it's looking pretty good. The things I like about it, I'm a big fan of virtualization. I love the KVM virtualization that's part of the kernel. Avi Kaviti, uh, who's one of the lead developers in that, probably the lead developer on it, when asked if he would change the name to avoid Google lookups returning information about keyboard video mouse switches, he said perhaps one day it won't matter because it'll just be Linux. Refreshes of all the tools, that's all great. I use the compiler a little bit, so refresh of the compiler, refresh of the libraries, that's all great for me. New versions of the tools that I use, uh, like uh, Eclipse, like KDevelop, like the subversion tools, all nice new upgrades of those things, great for me. I like KVM, the virtualization that's in the box. I'm having a lot of fun with that myself. It's great to have it there as something you can play with. So you guys have been playing with it and you like it. Let's go ahead and listen from Zonker and Martin and hear everything that's in 11.1. Welcome to Novell Open Audio. Today on the line, we have Joe Brockmeyer uh, or Zonker. Joe is our OpenSUSE community manager. Joe, good morning. Morning. And we also have on the line Martin Lesarch, who is our OpenSUSE community coordinator. Good, good afternoon for you, Martin. Good afternoon. Greetings from Germany. Thank you. Today, I, I got you guys on the line to talk about the recent release you guys just made of OpenSUSE 11.1. 1. 
And actually, Martin, my first question for you is, I, I was out there this summer and you guys had just released OpenSUSE 11. How come OpenSUSE 11.1 came out so soon after OpenSUSE 11? Yeah, this time the recycle was a little bit shorter than usual. Usually we try to have six to eight months uh, for the OpenSUSE release. But unfortunately, there's something called Christmas in between and many people have vacation at this time. So we decided to make it before Christmas because if we would release it in January, we would not gain any better quality new packages or something like that because nobody is working in Europe. Yeah, and you also at least have the chance for everybody to try out the code on the brand new machines that are just released so people have a fresh operating system to load on all the new machines. Many people have time, spare time at Christmas, so why not? It's a good, it's a very good uh, gift for the people, so release before Christmas is always good. So I know this was kind of a, a short release. Like you said, there was only six months in between uh, the previous release and this release. What are the big changes or goals you were going for in this release? So besides all the package updates, of course, we have new versions of OpenOffice, GNOME KDE, and all the stuff. We have one major update. It's more freedom, simply more freedom. So what you can do now, you can copy the CD, the DVD without any problems, without any legal problems. And many people just want that. Not that we ever said, okay, you cannot copy the DVD, but actually there is some stuff on it, like Acrobat Reader, Flash Player. There was some stuff on it that you cannot just copy by yourself. You need the license from the vendor and stuff like that. So now we split it completely. You can download an additional CD if you want with all the stuff on it. Or you can use the online uh, update repository, so it's much easier to, uh, to distribute. So you've you just made that line very clean in between whether it's pure open sourced or whether uh, some of the products on the CD are not open source. You've just separated those out so people can make a real simple decision? Yeah, the line was the redistribution. Um, so we have some non-open source stuff on the CD, on the DVD, uh, like firmware for wireless LAN cards, for example. Uh, but you can redistribute it, and there's a binary blob, and you think this is okay, and most people are happy with it. Any other uh, major changes to the licensing? License is much, much shorter, so it's not all this legal mumbo-jumbo anymore. It's much easier to read, to understand, and as I said before, it allows now easier redistribution. So it's really a gain for the user, and it's also not you don't have accept the license anymore. You just can say next, and everything is okay. Okay, so I don't have to pretend that I actually read through that big, long license. I can just hit next. Like everyone is doing all the time, of course, yes. Uh, it drives me crazy now that when you're running through an install routine, you actually have to scroll through a bunch of the licenses before they let you click on next. Basically, this license is the collective work is licensed under the GPL v2. And so the license is one that most people in the open source community are already very familiar with. Excellent. So let's talk about actual changes to code. What are some of the things that you guys made changes to? Now, Martin, you mentioned earlier uh, updated version of KDE and GNOME. I, I assume when you say updated KDE, that's KDE 4? Uh, right, yeah. We have the uh, latest and greatest KDE 4. And maybe the biggest change for all the KDE users are if you made an installation with 11.0, you had the screen where you can select GNOME, KDE 4, and KDE 3. So we um, put KDE 3 in a submenu, so you have the selection now between GNOME and KDE 4 to make it a little bit easier for the users who are not sure if it, what's it select of KDE or GNOME. So um, if you want to install KDE 3, it's not a problem. You just have to go to the submenu and the other menus. There's still KDE 3, of course. Uh, but for most people, we think KDE 4 is really ready for the usual desktop user. So we dropped it a little bit down, so it's not that obvious that we also support KDE 3. Uh, Zonker, what about changes on the GNOME front? 
So the latest GNOME is packaged for this one. Um, basically, there's not you know a ton of updates in this version of GNOME because GNOME is at this point fairly stable and mostly you know you see a lot of iteration between the two. There are a lot of improvements in evolution. For example, this isn't specifically GNOME, but of course there's a new Open Office, Open Office version three. There's Banshee, an update to that with a lot of improvements. So there's still a lot of improvements on the GNOME side, but I'd say probably a little bit less drastic improvement than uh, you see in KDE 4 in this release. Martin, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that you guys made a change in the fonts that are included on the disk? This is also something about because of the freedom. So we don't have the ACFA fonts, I guess, was it anymore on the DVD directly, but you can also download it. Uh, with an online update, or you can use the uh, add-on CD to install the stuff. The same is for for Java, for example. As replacement, we have the OpenJDK included on the DVD, but if you need some Java for development, for example, or you have some stuff which is not working with OpenJDK, you can also download it, no problem. Oh, cool. What about some of the Yast updates that I saw? So there, there are a couple of changes in Yast. Uh, number one is there's a new printing module for Yast. There's also an updated partitioner for Yast, a new module for that uh, that's supposed to be a little bit easier to use. And um, there's also a security audit module now that will look at your system security and basically see where you could improve your system security and actually guide you through some of those changes. Obviously, it can't check, you know, everything, but it does a pretty good job of giving recommendations to improve your system security. Oh, cool. And actually, I do have a follow-up question on that. I was going through uh, one of the presentations you guys had sent me, and, and I saw it listed SE Linux Basic Enhancement. Yeah, so basically what we're doing there is we're enabling uh, the, fra- the SE Linux framework. We're just making it possible for people to use that in OpenSUSE. We're still standardized on AppArmor, but we've included some of the basics to enable SE Linux for partners or uh, communities, uh, community contributors that want to use SE Linux for some reason. Oh, that's cool. So people have a choice. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, that's pretty much what open source is all about. Yeah. Now, since I have you guys on the phone, I, I do have to pester you for one technical question. Well, it's not really technical, but as I was going through the install, a, a, a question came up about Smolt. And I have no idea what Smolt is. Can one of you guys explain to me what Smolt is? Maybe, Martin, you could take this. Uh, Smolt is basically, it collects all your hardware information, um, the PCI IDs and all the technical stuff. And you can send it to a web page. The web page is hosted uh, at Fedora at the moment. And uh, so we work with the guys together because we want something like a reliable hardware database. So you can see what kind of hardware the user have at home. Uh, maybe you can see... Uh, what will be the next big thing in hardware? What where should we put more energy to make better drivers and stuff like that? So um, you don't have to send the data, but we really urge please send the data because it's quite important, not only for OpenSUSE but also for the other distributions, so we can see what kind of hardware the users outside have. Something like um, what kind of architecture do they have? Have this 32-bit or 64-bit? How many memory they have? And all the stuff you can also see this on the web page. Oh, I love that because then we get real statistics and real facts on exactly what people are using, not just what they say they're using. Exactly. And most people don't even know what they are using. This release has been kind of developed a little bit differently than our previous releases, right? You guys used your new uh, OpenSUSE board to help uh, with this release. I wouldn't say that we used the board to help with the release. Um, what happened during this release cycle is that we 
elected an OpenSUSE board, and it's the first that was actually elected by OpenSUSE members. So if you look back a little bit, uh, what happened uh, last year was, or I'm sorry, in 2007, Novell appointed the first OpenSUSE board to sort of bootstrap the process of the community governance there. And then that board set about setting up the guidelines for members and things like that. And uh, one of the primary functions of the board is to approve members for the OpenSUSE community. And then um, last fall, we had an election. And so this board that's there now is entirely elected by the OpenSUSE community, the members, uh, with the exception of the chairman of the board, who is appointed by Novell. So there are two people sitting on the board who are elected uh, by the community who are Novell employees, and there are two people sitting on the board who are uh, from the community, not employed by Novell, but elected by the community. Then does the board help actually decide what's going to be in the release or the release cycle? What does the board have to do with the release? Uh, the board is actually for things not related to technical decisions. So, for example, uh, the board might get involved in um, a decision about which sub-projects qualify for uh, being hosted on the OpenSUSE site and being considered sort of an official sub-project of OpenSUSE. Uh, they might just, you know, they decide who qualifies for membership and things like that. Um, but the technical decisions are still made by the core team and, and the release manager and things like that. Okay. Now, you were telling me earlier about how this was the first release that you guys had actually done completely on the, in the open by using the OpenSUSE build servers? So maybe many people are not really knowing the OpenSUSE build service. Uh, and the OpenSUSE build service, you can build packages for various distributions. So you can also build packages for Debian, Ubuntu, Fedora, Mandriva. Of course, also for the OpenSUSE distribution and the enterprise distribution. And the advantage for the casual user is that they can download the latest and greatest packages there directly with a one-click installation. Just click on a web page and install the package with all the dependencies. So we use the system for a time outside OpenSUSE. And we had some internal system called AutoBuild. And we used it here to make the distribution. But now the OpenSUSE build service is uh, so much advanced, we can also use it to build a complete distribution. And so for 11.1, we used it for the first time for this. Oh, cool. In fact, one of the things that I noticed about the actual way that we've released this, I love the fact that now we're doing those live uh, CDs, both for GNOME and KDE which is, is just awesome that you can download a CD that's ready to go, that you can test out your equipment. In fact, Martin, you were telling me something interesting last time I was in Germany about how you used uh, this or a USB to actually look at new machines in a computer store. Right. This was one and a half years ago or something like that. I want to buy a new laptop and I just make a live USB stick and tested all the laptops directly in the shop. So you can boot the system, check what hardware is really built in and not what the advertising are saying and check if everything is supported, and then you can buy a fully supported system. So it's much easier. It's also good to convince some friends. If they have no idea about Linux, about OpenSUSE, just have a USB stick with you. You can use it also for other data, of course, and boot on the USB stick and show them how great OpenSUSE is. So, Martin, how did you actually get that code and make a bootable USB stick? So you have various options. Uh, we have a tool called Kiwi, where you can make DVDs, live CDs, DVDs, USB images. You can do everything and, but this is a command line tool, so it might be not that easy for the casual user. But what we also have is studio.suse.com. Uh, it's a web interface where you can build your own images. 
actually, in the moment it's in the beta phase, uh, but it's it's really cool. It's very very easy to build your own distribution, your own USB stick, whatever you want. You can use, you can build VMware images, VirtualBox images, Xen images. This is really really nice. It's the next step in building your own distribution. And how do people actually get access to all this stuff? I, I know our main uh, website is opensusa.org, but where can people get information on, on all these different types of things they can do? Uh, first, of course, go to the wiki and uh, just search for Kiwi, for example, or just search for Studio, and then you will get a link to the direct pa- to the page you need or get further information how to build images. Uh, we also have other options. Uh, for example, some computers don't have a CD drive anymore, a DVD drive, so you need to boot from network, USB, whatever, and there are various options and there are step-by-step uh, documents how to make it possible. And how do you normally keep in contact outside of just, I, I assume you do a lot of your communication via wikis uh, in between the different developers and different consumers of OpenSUSE. You also have several mailing lists that go on, correct? Right. We have a lot of uh, topic uh, mailing lists like ISDN, graphics, uh, KDE, GNOME, and all the stuff. Um, also different languages, of course. The German and the English one are the biggest uh, mailing lists we have right now. Um, but maybe some people are not really good at mailing, working with mailing lists um, because you have to subscribe there and you have to uh, configure your mail client, you have to sort your mail and stuff like that. For me, it's it's perfect. I really like mailing lists because it's direct communication. You have an archive of all the answers and stuff like that. But people, some people really want to use something similar and uh, now we have forum. Maybe Songo can something say about the forum. We launched the forums in June, actually just slightly below, uh, before the 11.0 release. Um, and by the way, we recently crossed the 20,000 user threshold with the OpenSUSE forums, I believe. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good for less than a year. Um, and uh, the forums are where you want to go if you need technical support and that sort of thing. Uh, one of the reasons, um, you know, the mailing lists are good for certain kinds of discussions. One of the reasons I really like the forums for technical support, though, is that it's so much easier for people to find those answers later. Um, So they benefit not only the people who are subscribed to the mailing list, but also the people who come looking for answers later. Uh, Yes, you can Google for technical support. You know, sometimes it'll turn up mails that are in the archives online, but it's usually a lot easier to search a forum than it is to try to find that information in a mailing list. You know what I mean? So since we're recording this after the product's actually been released and available for downloads, uh, how, how has the uptake been going? Have a lot of people been downloading this, Martin? Yeah, actually it was pretty good. It was not that a big jump compared uh, 10.3 to 11.0 because the recycle was, was much shorter and I would say also the release that short before Christmas was maybe not that good. But still we have more downloads uh, than for as compared to 11.0. And this time we had, let me look at it, we had 173 terabytes in 30 hours download. That's 5% more. Okay, so spring is about ready to hit us. Zonker, I know that that means just a ton of different shows that are going on. Uh, Can you tell us about some of the things that you guys have going on where you'll be showing OpenSUSE 11.1 out at some of the shows? Yeah. Um, First of all, we're going to be at FOSDEM coming up uh, February 7th and 8th. Um, we'll be showing off OpenSUSE there. We have a dev room. We'll have a table. We'll, uh, I'll be doing a talk on OpenSUSE, uh, and there will be a lot of talks about uh, things around OpenSUSE in the dev room. 
Um, so we'll be there. That's in Brussels on February 7th and 8th. I will also be, uh, we'll have a table uh, booth or whatever at Scale, which is the uh, end of February in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, we'll be at that show. We're a sponsor for that show, as we are a sponsor for FOSDEM. And there are a number of other shows that are coming up in the near future um, that we'll be at. So, I mean, like last year, we're going to be at a lot of shows. And uh, if you are near anywhere that tends to have trade shows and that sort of thing, you should have an opportunity to get out and meet some of the people from OpenSUSE. Martin, outside of Fossum over in uh, Brussels, is there anything you'll be doing over in Europe? Yeah, the next thing will be Chemnitzer Linux Days. It's uh, also two days. And it's very community-driven. It's not really a big show, but for me, it's the second most important Linux show in Germany. We are there. We are sponsor. We have a presentation. All right. Well, Joe and Martin, thanks a lot for taking time out to sit down and talk to us about OpenSUSE 11.1. I'm sure we'll be talking to you in the near future for 11.2. In fact, before we get off the line, uh, do you have a time schedule or anything for 11.2? Right now, we're working on that. Um, we've been discussing it on the OpenSUSE project list, which, by the way, this is a not very subtle hint uh, that people who are interested in those kinds of discussions, they need to be subscribed. Uh, one of the things I hear, by the way, every now and again is people who say, you know, well, I don't like mailing lists. You know, you kind of have to suck it up uh, because that's where a lot of the action is. And, um, you know, we have to we have to decide at a certain point where the conversations are going to take place, and that's pretty much where the majority of people have elected to have those conversations. So they are held in public. They are discussed, you know, right out in the open. You just need to be subscribed to the list to participate. Um, but we haven't decided. There are a couple of hang-ups there, basically the big one being the fact that the GNOME and the KDE schedules are offset by three months. And we already know that we don't want to do a six-month cycle again. We want a little bit more breathing room in this in this release. But uh, the question is whether we extend the cycle long enough to include the very latest GNOME that will be released in September of next year, or if we release uh, not very long after KDE 4.3, which will come out in July. It's obviously very important to us to have KDE, the latest KDE in there, since we have so many KDE users. But uh, GNOME is also fairly important, and so that's a big area where we need to decide what we want to do. Cool. Well, guys, uh, thanks a lot for uh, joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. You know, thanks, Aaron, for doing that interview. What a great interview with Zonker and Martin. You know, they're always great to listen to. I love talking to those guys because it's just so natural when you have a conversation with them. And now I do want to do a quick plug. Our friends down at the Scale Southern California Linux Users Group are having a show at the end of February, and we've got a promo for them. Whether you've merely heard of Linux or consider yourself an expert, here's your chance to learn more about it at the Southern California Linux Expo. For 2009, Scale 7X has added two new tracks for developers and beginners. We'll have over 60 speakers who will cover the latest topics in open source software, and the expo floor will have more than 80 booths featuring commercial and non-profit organizations showing their products and software. The Friday special sessions have returned with Docs, the open source conference for healthcare. Women in open source will reprise their conference, as will the open source software and education conference. 
The Southern California Linux Expo is February 20th, 21st, and 22nd, 2009 at the Westin LAX Hotel in Los Angeles. For more information or to register for the expo, visit SoCalLinuxExpo.org. Use promo code CAST, C-A-S-T, for 40% off of your registration, and we'll see you at Scale7X. That wraps it up for this episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Remember that Novell Open Audio is brought to you by Novell Users International, as well as Novell Incorporated. Most of our content is directed by our listener community. So please send us your feedback by email at openaudio at novell.com or by leaving comments on our website at novell.com slash openaudio. That's it for this time. Have a good one. <laughs>